Welcome to Grow Your Influence, leadership conversations for business owners and managers. Whether you own a business and have a team, or leadership is part of your role, welcome, you're exactly where you need to be. Join co-hosts Juliet Robinson and Christy Lee Billet for their regular conversations on all things leadership. No corporate jargon, no textbook ideologies, just real life experience unpacked in a relaxed way to help you be your best boss and lead your team with confidence, clarity, and control. This is Grow Your Influence. Let's dive in. Juliet, hello. We're back again for another episode. How are you? Hi, Christy Lee. I'm fine. How are you going? Yeah, super awesome today. Thank you. Because I am excited about today's topic because I get asked about this a lot and no doubt you do Mm, as well. Yeah. Today we're talking about difficult people at work, difficult performers, difficult employees, possibly even difficult managers, and how how we deal with difficult people at work. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly had experiences with challenging individuals at work. What about you? Totally. I And similarly, this is the thing people talk to me probably about the most, yeah. whether it is a difficult manager or difficult team member or whatever it is. This is because I think so often we're just trying to avoid conflict. So we don't want to deal with difficult people. So we avoid them. Years ago, I worked with an organisation and they talked about dressing people up for export. So instead of dealing with a difficult person, they would talk them up to their colleagues and get them transferred into another department. Oh, my God, that is insane. I know. But it's so awful, isn't it? Because then your colleagues get this difficult person um, and it's just incredible that you've passed them on to them. I just... Yeah, so much wrong with the picture. It's so bad. I was talking to a client this week and she was sharing a very challenging, she had a very difficult staff member on her hands. Mm. And she shared with me that the reference check she got for her when she hired her was absolutely glowing. And she ran into someone, because they're in a regional area, of just a few weeks after hiring this person and they said, I can't believe you hired that person. They are terrible. We couldn't wait to get rid of them. And she said, your boss told me that they were amazing. Mm. And, and she said, oh, she just wanted to make sure she left. And I yes. thought that is so, I, I think we have a, an obligation as people in business to be accurate and honest with other business owners because we don't yes. want to be shipping bad people around. No, but it's also, I, I think what we're doing there is rewarding bad behaviour as well. Of course, yeah. And I think this is what I see so often in teams because we avoid dealing with a difficult person, the team is watching Yes. And what they see is somebody's behaving badly and not only is no one dealing with it, but sometimes they get rewarded because they get promoted or, you know, moved somewhere or given special responsibilities so that they, you know, are sidelined. But people, what you hear is, well, why am I bothering Yes, when somebody who behaves really badly is being treated in this way and and there's no consequence for that bad behaviour. Absolutely. All it does is undermine all of your top performers because they're not going to be engaged. You'll lose good people because no one wants to work in an environment where poor behaviour is tolerated, let alone rewarded. Yeah. Um, So it just creates the flow-on effect. You're not, not dealing with one person. You're creating bigger issues for your whole team, which is... Uh, I guess a side effect most people don't think about when they're just avoiding something. 
So let's yeah. talk about what well, difficult uh, yeah. actually means. I mean, because it's a big term. Difficult is there's lots of difficult. It is. What are, what are the yes. different types of difficult that you've seen? Oh gosh. So I think difficult can be people who withhold information, people who um, are openly negative or um, you know gossiping around the office, that sort of thing, putting other people down. Mm-hmm. I see people who just don't do what they're committed to do. So in terms of delivering on their role in a team, mm-hmm. just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I see people lying in yeah. teams, mm. you know, and, pe- and others in the team know that they're lying, but, again, there's no consequence for it, so they just keep doing it. Yeah. And I think one of What the about other, you? What have you seen? Yeah, I think I see all of those things. I see mm. um, people making total dramas out of nothing just to get attention and, and be yes. challenging. Yeah. And I think one of the ones that I see most often, and it is one of the trickiest ones that I've, you know, see to manage, is the people who just are borderline. I, they're definitely below the line performers and below the line employees, but they just get They're not doing anything wrong enough that you can easily pinpoint it or that you can easily performance manage it but they're not getting things done they're very quick to have an excuse there's an excuse for absolutely everything that ever happens they want credit just for showing up on time Um, so they're not doing anything wrong but they're certainly not doing anything very right either and these are the ones that I think are sometimes trickiest because it's hard to pinpoint exactly where the problem is. I think that's so true. And I think it's interesting um, because as a leader, you want to have those conversations with them. But you're right, when they're just on that line, yes, you can, uh, when you go to have a conversation, they can be the sort of, well, what do you mean? Yes. You know? They make you feel like you're crazy. Yes. That sort of gaslighting you in a sense. Yes. Yes. Because I'm doing my job. Yes. You know, and I think this is where, it's so important that we define not just the outcomes we expect people to produce, but the behaviours we expect of team members as well. And I think so often this gets neglected mm. in smaller businesses, in, in large, even in larger organisations. They sometimes completely forget to do this. But I think this whole idea of defining your values and then saying this is the behaviour we expect yeah. is part of this process. It helps you address this process, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think behaviour is how we determine culture. And if we're tolerating behaviour that is not in line with what we want our culture to be like, we're letting our employees dictate the culture of our business and particularly our difficult employees dictate our culture, which is one of my pet peeves is seeing business owners have no control in their business because their team have taken control and and the business has become something they're a slave to and not the other way around. And it's often because they haven't wanted to deal with difficult behaviours or difficult people. And we all know what it's like when you've got a toxic person at work or a difficult person at work, they're often very good at getting other people on their side. So one difficult person suddenly becomes four difficult people and and the the energy really shifts in that direction. So I've definitely seen that and it really bugs me when that happens. And I think it's that whole, you know, there is no culture, culture, 
natural behavior. That's very hard to say. That's tricky, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, I think even doing nothing mm. contributes to your culture because, as you say, then people who are difficult start to own and drive the culture. Yes. And, and, and this is this whole thing about boss watching. Mm. You know, when your team are watching you to see what you do and you do nothing, yeah. then you breathe this sort of, well, why would I bother then? Why am I going above and beyond when they're not and they're fine? So, Absolutely. You know. And what your team hate most is inaction. They would rather see you take some action yes. that isn't right and then having to course correct or at least try to deal with an issue than yeah. do nothing at all. Nothing undermines trust and engagement and motivation faster than mm. inaction, I think. Mm. I think it's also interesting. Um, Patrick Lencioni talks about this in terms of holding each other accountable. He talks about, you know, really a high-performing, really effective team is where team members will hold each other accountable. Yes, yes. Where they'll call each other on bad behaviour and things, but they'll only do it if they know that the leader would do it. Of course, yeah. So the more they know the leader would do it, the more they'll just do it because they can. But if they don't think the leader would do it, then they're not going to do it either. They're not going to put their neck out there to yeah. have that conversation if they don't think that that would be something the leader would do or that the leader yes. would support as well. So, yeah. Yeah, you've got to create that lead by example if you want to create a culture where that is going to be commonplace as well. I think so. So in terms of dealing with a difficult person, one of the things I think is really important is just understanding what's going on for them. Oh, so and true. I think so often we skip this step. Um, you know, so having that conversation, A, that talks about the impact of their behaviour, mm -hmm. but B, that asks the question about, you know, what do you think? What's going on here mm -hmm. that's driving this? Yeah, Seek first to understand. As, yes. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who that quote comes from. I can't remember now. But um, no, not can I. <laughs> no. Stephen Covey, maybe. And I'm then, not sure. and then to be understood. Seek yes. first to understand, and then to be understood. Yes. Exactly. And you you have to do yeah. that. And some of the yeah, best I leaders so. I've worked with were very good at doing that. No matter the circumstance, they would always seek first to understand. They would have the conversation, try and figure out what was going yeah. on, because. It, it could be a number of things. It could be mm. that um, there's a lack of communication. There could be something going on personally. There mm. could be a disengagement issue. They're, they're just not feeling it right now. How can we address that? Because yeah. once you know what the reasons why and what's going on, that's going to tell you how you need to take action to deal with it and to help course correct. But if you don't know, it's just like throwing, you know, stuff at yeah. a wall and hoping something's going to stick. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think... I, what I see often is that people who are behaving badly don't necessarily understand the impact of their behaviour because they're sometimes in this zone of just, um, you know, for themselves they're feeling stuck yes. or um, they're struggling with something and they're very focused on themselves at that point. Mm -hmm. And when someone points out the impact of their behaviour, that can help shift them whichever way, but at least it stops them from being stuck in that behaviour. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to be able to have communication, I think, that is solutions focused, that is going to provide mm -hmm. some kind of pathway out of this situation. Because sitting down and just saying, this is terrible, this is what's going on, and talking about the circumstance on itself doesn't give any future direction. Yeah. You've got to be ready to say, we're going to draw a line in the sand and here's what we're going to do next, or let's yeah. take these steps. But there's got yeah. to be a solution in mind, I think. I think so too, but I think you've got to start with that. When you do this, this is what happens yeah. and this is why it matters. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole 
And then from there go, well, you know, how do you want to change this? What are we going to do about it? Um, you know, what are your, what's your plan to change this? Exactly. They've got to be part um, of that discussion because if they're not taking ownership for what the action is going to be, they're never going to be invested in doing it. Um, That's and exactly I think right. When we're talking to them about the why, which is a huge part of the conversation we've got to have, why yeah. is this important? Why is this impacting people? How is this showing up? trying to tie it into something that you know intrinsically matters to them. And for many people, yes. they're more concerned about letting their colleagues down than their managers down or than some third-party supplier down. Yeah. If they think they're letting their peer in the next cubicle or next to them at the workstation down, they're going to be much more impacted by that than you saying to them, you're letting us down or the business down yes. or our suppliers down. So it's really understanding what motivates that person. Are they a team player? Are they, you know, are they caring about that team? Or are they after individual pursuit? Because in that case, telling them how it impacts the team is going to make very little difference to them. But telling them how it's going to impact their future trajectory in the business, their growth, yes. their potential for advancement, they're going to care a little bit more about that. Yeah. I think that's so true. And when you understand the drivers, yeah. For, for individuals, yeah. you're halfway there, aren't you, really? Oh, um, absolutely, And when you yeah. open that conversation, most people know when they're behaving badly, yeah. in my experience. You know, um, it's just sometimes they're waiting to be called on it. Yeah. They're waiting to see how far they can push the line. Mm -hmm. um, but and, and sometimes people, you know, aren't, they, they know they're behaving badly, but they're not conscious of the impact it's having. So you're right. It needs to be about the why, the why. Why yeah. are you doing this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what a big trap that I see is people avoid having conversations with difficult people at work because uh, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. They spend nights awake stressing about it, which is exactly what a client said to me just last week, yeah. awake all night stressing about this. But the actual doing of having the conversation, they would rather have more sleepless nights than put it off. And that is the worst thing you could do. Well, I see, yeah. Look, I see it happen so often that people, and they say to me, um, I, I've been putting it off all week or all month, whatever. Yes. So finally at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon they decide <laughs> to have this conversation. <laughs> or they do it in a really inappropriate way when somebody responds to something in the middle of everybody else, you know. Um, and it all just goes wah and comes out yeah. as a sort of you must and you haven't and, you know, which is just so unhelpful to everybody and isn't yes. going to change the behaviour of the difficult person. So, and I think you're right, and even I see people having these conversations just before they break up for Christmas, <laughs> you know, so they've put it off for months at this point. They've even avoided Friday afternoons and it gets to, you know, the 19th of December or something and they're sort of like, Oh God, I've just got to do it before we go away. So they have this conversation and again, it all just comes out. Wow. Yeah. And then Absolutely. everyone goes on holidays for three weeks. Yeah. And, and you, people do that because they think, oh, then I won't have to see them for three weeks. And maybe they've forgotten by the time yes. they get back. Yes. Maybe they'll happen. have sorted it out or something. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I think, I think that's an interesting point. The one thing that we know for sure, and you will agree with this, I'm certain, Things aren't going to suddenly change if you ignore it. They're not going to change their behaviour, suddenly get better, suddenly become no. more pleasable to work around. All they're doing, as you said, is pushing boundaries and testing tolerances. So by ignoring it and thinking maybe it'll change, it's not going to change. 
What was your saying? We talked about in another episode about the behaviour you tolerate. Oh, yes. The um, the behaviour you demand is what you get and the behaviour you, you tolerate, oh, now I've forgotten it, is... Um, so have I. On, but basically, if you tolerate it, it's what you end up with, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The to- uh, oh, yeah. You you get what you demand, and you encourage what you tolerate. Yes, that's yes. it. Yes, and that's it. And with a difficult person or a poor performer, you tol- when you tolerate that behaviour, you do encourage it. Yeah. Because well, why wouldn't I do this? Why should I come in at nine if coming in at nine thirty? makes no difference exactly if i'm not delivering and nobody's saying anything i'll just keep not delivering until somebody tells me that's a problem yeah absolutely so we know that we have to deal with these people and we can't put the conversations off so what are some tips or frameworks we can give people i think you pointed out a really good one get the timing and the location of the meeting right and do not do it at four on a friday in fact do not do it at four on any afternoon would be my advice yes it's a good meeting to get out of the way in the morning let the dust settle do some recapping through the day if you need to but mm-hmm. um, for, a, for a million reasons, four o'clock on a Friday is a terrible time to do these meetings. Totally. Yeah. As is the kitchen a bad place to have these meetings. It, yeah. Even though you just think, oh, just take advantage of this moment, get a meeting room, get some mm-hmm. private space, set, a, set some time aside. And I think letting them know that you need to talk to them about possibly some issues you're having or something you've noticed that you're concerned about, letting them know that they're walking into a meeting that is, you know, yeah. serious. Yeah. I think this becomes more difficult when we're working virtually. Yeah. Because you quite often are going to have to have these meetings without being face to face. But I think, however, you have it, make sure you can see one another. Don't have this meeting on the phone. Absolutely. Certainly don't put all this stuff in an email. You know, have it at the very least on, on a Zoom or whatever so you can see one another. Yeah. Because I think that's really important. I also think just plan it out. I think so often what I see, if people go into these conversations because they're uncomfortable about it, they're a bit nervous or anxious about it, so they don't really plan what they want to get out of the meeting. So true. And having an idea about what the ideal resolution is before you walk yes. in, but yes. also being prepared to listen and possibly yeah. change that. Sure. But having some idea about what you want the outcome of this meeting to be because the outcome shouldn't mm-hmm. be I've told them how terrible they are. Absolutely. That's not an outcome. <laughs> yes. No, 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 totally. I think also what I see sometimes is if you don't plan it, what's hap- what happens is it comes out as a sort of, oh, hi, how are you going? Oh, you're doing a great job at this or that, you know. And so it, it becomes a confusing conversation because we don't yes. want to offend people. We don't want to upset them. We're still trying to avoid conflict even though we've got them in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And if we've planned it, we know we're going to say, I need to talk to you about this. You know, when you do this, this is the problem that's happening and this is the impact it's having. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to me about what's going on here. That sort of stuff. You, you're really clear about it instead of waffling on yeah. or maybe yeah. praising I some aspect of their work and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, so, definitely. And if, if it helps you to write a script, do that or just have some bullet points. I know I've worked with a manager in the past and he acknowledges that he struggles at these meetings these are not his natural skill set he finds them very uncomfortable and he always asks me to write a script and he will say to them I want to make sure I communicate this clearly with you Mm. and so I'm going to read from this script 
first and then open a discussion because he knows and I've seen him do it in meetings that as soon as he's let loose on his own he just because he's so uncomfortable and hates hurting people's feelings he just starts waffling and then says things that confuse the message because he kind of contradicts what we really need to say um but I love his self-awareness to say write me a script and he says yeah. it to the staff, I'm going to read this from the script and then we're going to start a conversation because I want to make sure I get this right. And I think that takes real I, I love, yes, I, uh, and I love that he has the self-awareness to do that. Yes. I think that because that's what I see so often is the conversation gets confused by the waffle, by them trying not to offend somebody while still trying to deal with difficult behaviour. Yeah. A, year, a few years ago now I was um, at coaching just quite by coincidence, coaching two managers who were, one came from Scandinavia and one came from Germany and they're running teams in Australia now. And I was talking to both of them at at different stages, but within the space of a week about having difficult conversations and both of them almost told me exactly the identical things. They were sort of like, what is the problem with Australians? You know, they would say (laughs) at home, if somebody's not doing their job, you say to them, this is your job. You're not doing your job. Yep. Do your job. This is what I expect. Yeah. And they both said, you know, if you say that here, people get so upset and, you know, there's tears and they're offended. So <laughs> interesting. Culturally, yeah. this is just, this is a difficult area for us. Yeah. And I think we really do need to, if we do whatever you need to do, as you say, write the script if you need to, plan it out in however you need to do Mm -hmm. to make it work because I do think culturally this is just not something we're terribly good at. No, we we like everyone to be friendly and mates and we like to, we Mm. don't believe in dobbing and this feels a bit like that. So I think there's a lot of cultural stuff caught up here, I agree. So I think... So I think setting up the right time and place for the meeting, framing up the meeting, this is what you need to speak to them about. This is why this is the impact it's having. And then opening up that discussion, like you said, about tell me what's going on for you. Tell me how, why this is a challenge or what's happening to cause this or your experience. And then moving into what are we going to do next? What do you want to see happen? This is what I need to see happen. How can we make that work? And making that a discussion, not a direction necessarily. Absolutely. So lots of questions and I think a lot of listening. Yeah. So a lot less. Once you've put the the issue out there, I think it's incumbent on us to sit back and listen a whole lot more. And my final point would be follow-up. I think so often what I see is they have the conversation, they go, oh, thank God I've done that. Tick, I've had that conversation. We can move on to something nice now. Whereas the reality is we need to say, let's come back and talk about this in two weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Let's set a date now because I want to follow up. I want to make sure that we're back on track or whatever it is. But keep following up. Don't just treat it as a one-off, I think, is really important as well. Yeah, so important. And when you get out of that meeting, I would even put it in writing, put it in an email, Thank you for for chatting with me. This is what we discussed. This is what we decided we'd do next. And here's when Mm -hmm. we're meeting again, like we decided and agreed. um, And this is where we should be at that time in in this process. So there's no confusion about, because when we're talking verbally with our employees, even though we think something may have been crystal clear, there's every chance that 
because it was hard to hear that maybe they haven't absorbed it fully or they forget part of it. So it's just always good to Mm -hmm. afterwards put it in writing. It can be quite informal if you want it to. And I always, you know, like to think about checking up on them, you know, later that day or the next morning when they've had a bit more time to process and digest and just say, how are you going after our conversation? Is there anything you're concerned about? And just giving them an opportunity to say, I I don't understand what's required. I don't understand what went wrong or I'm not sure that I can deliver on that plan. Just give them some opportunity. I think also, you know, if they do at that point say, well, I was a bit blindsided and I don't, now that I've thought about it, I don't really agree or that sort of thing, gives you a chance to come back and be really objective about the behaviour and the impact and go through that again. Yes. So, you know, um, because I've seen that happen too. Yeah. I think my final point on all of that would be, and you're right, checking up with them is great. I, I would also be trying to, Um, give positive feedback across the team Mm. and publicly. So recognising people doing it well or doing the right things because I think that's incredibly powerful. And when people see not only that you're watching and you are interested in what they're doing but that you're recognising when they do good stuff, I think that's incredibly motivating. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes for difficult people, it can be really powerful for them to see that you're recognising other people's good Mm. stuff. Yes. You know, and and maybe they want a bit of that. You know, maybe that's where they want to be. Yeah. I think it's important because I think sometimes we forget to actually say those things, to say, you know, thank you for meeting that deadline or pushing to get that done or I really appreciate that you looked after that client so well. It doesn't have to be a grand improvement or change that they've made. It Mm. it can be just doing their job really, really well. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more we do that, the more we help build really positive stuff in the team as well. Yeah, which is so important. And I think for managers, one thing that I'd like to leave you with as well is when you're in those meetings, and this is something that I've seen people really struggle with, drop the emotion, stay very calm and objective, although you may be feeling very emotional about it and angry potentially, keep Mm. the emotion to the side because it actually makes the meeting a lot harder when it's fueled with emotion and you'll get an emotional response from the employee rather than, a calm and objective response Mm -hmm. and don't feel that you need to cover up every moment of silence by talking because the silence is when the employee is processing. Oh, totally. I think we need a whole episode on silence actually. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be an interesting episode. Be quiet. (laughs) But yeah, that power of that pause. No, but I think you're right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. As long as you're not using it to sort of intimidate I think silence is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Yes. Look, there's so much more we could talk about on this. So I think we should pick up various aspects of this in other episodes because I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky one and I think it's one we've all grappled with at some point. And I think because we're not great at conflict usually. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said there. I mean, the last thing I would say too is that if people are emotional, um, is is to give them a give them time. So because I see people use tears or shouting or whatever, and sometimes you just need to say, I can see this. This is a really difficult thing for you. Or you're feeling really strongly about it. Let's take five minutes. Yes. You know, let's just take five minutes. Go for a walk. Do whatever you need to do, and then let's meet back here. But don't make it an, an excuse to not have the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Totally agree. Yeah, you're right. There is so much to unpack here. We will definitely do more episodes on various aspects of this topic because I think it's going to be one that gets lots of interest. Let's do that. And look, if you've got comments, um, put them in the Facebook group. So we'd love to hear from you and hear what your experience has been and whether you have tips for dealing with these situations or from your experience how you've dealt with them. Yeah. Um, we can keep that conversation going too. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. What a wonderful chat, Julia. I love this topic and no doubt we will talk more about it again on a future episode. Definitely. Thanks, Christy Lee. Lovely to talk. As always, talk soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating, comment and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to recommend us to a friend. We also love hearing suggestions for topics or guest speakers that you would love to hear from. The best way to reach us to give us those suggestions is over on our Facebook page. Simply head to Facebook and search Grow Your Influence. See you there.